Hello everyone, it's your girl Shaggy Lola Salami and it's the Shaggy Lola Salami show, a virtual cafe podcast. Um, it's a nice sunny day in London and I've got only my this little human here to help us out, you know, with the drinks. Um, are you going to say hello to everyone? Hello everyone, how do you have to come to my birthday in, in 10 months time? Okay, great. So whilst we, that's everyone been invited, who have we got here today? Hey, Shaggy Lola. There's Toby. Thanks for inviting me today. It's nice to hear uh, about this birthday party that I'm going to make a space in my calendar for. That should be fun. Fabulous. So you're going to do your colouring until he wants to have a drink. Okay? You have to, have, you have to have a drink. Okay, he'll have a drink. Right, so what would you like to drink then? I think I need a large whiskey. One, two, three. No, he was, he was joking. Now, be serious. I'm not joking. I've, got, I've actually got one here, so it's, it's perfect. So, right, so you come to a cafe with a bottle of whiskey. Seriously? You know you said that yeah. people go to jail for less, uh, you know, for less crime. It's only a third of a bottle, and it was, it was in my inside pocket. I don't think anybody noticed. I'm not doing any harm. If they offered more than, if they offered more than cakes and scones, I wouldn't have to resort to such dire measures. <laughs> Okay, right. I think, right, if I remember, you don't have any girls, right? So you don't have to do tea parties and the like. So you can't really complain. No, I've got two boys, so I think I can complain. I've got ample ample grounds for complaint, but they're they're big now. Tea parties. I don't think I don't unless boys do, but I last I checked, boys didn't do tea parties. No, they don't do tea parties, but I mean still having eight sort of six-year-old boys running around the house screaming. I mean, that's been a few years ago, but that's, that's, that's enough. You'd okay. much rather have a, a nice teddy bear's tea party, frankly. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. No, that's good. N- nerf battles, jumping over furniture, smashing vases, screaming, complaints from neighbours, you know. So, ah, all right. The, gra- the grass is always greener. <laughs> I know, I know. But you see, the thing, though, is I think something that boys don't have is the scream or the shriek or yes. the screech. You know that That's one, true. right, that it feels like your brain cells are about to melt? Yes. We've got next-door neighbors. Yes. That is what, you know, parents who have only boys can never understand the pleasures not, right? <laughs> And we're yes. not even yet at teenage age. And my friend says, you know, you just need to run for cover. I think I will just send her over to my friend's house and say, you can adopt her temporarily, right? And deal with the teenage hormones. Cause yeah, either think- that or boarding school. Yes. Well, anywho, go on. Tell me about yourself. Yeah, so uh, I'm a sci-fi author. And I'm, I'm just writing my fourth book. I published my third this summer. Um, I've always loved sci-fi, and so a few years ago I decided that um, I'd try my hand at, at writing it. And uh, yeah, it's going good. Um, juggling lots of things these days with with writing, so I'm happy to to be here to have a, a general chat around the topic and hopefully interest some of your listeners in in uh, trying um, one of my books. Um, now, sci-fi. I would think that you're the first, if memory serves me right. And if it's not, apparently I can get away with 25 years of baby brain. So I've still got 21 years. <laughs> so um, if I'm not mistaken, you're the first sci-fi author to come in the virtual cafe. And well, I'm honoured. 
came, I used to think that sci-fi was dead. Um, I read, no, I watched one series a few years ago called Fringe, which I absolutely loved, by the way. Um, and I don't know why, but for some reason, when it finished, I was just so sad and I thought, that's it. That's the end of sci-fi. There can't be any more good sci-fi out there. And I hadn't come across anything sci-fi um, until you came, on, you, know, you came in the virtual cafe. So what's been happening with sci-fi? I think the sci-fi is dead. Oh, I thought sci-fi is dead. Is sci-fi not dead anymore? Is it doing a comeback? What's going on with sci-fi? So certainly not dead, but um, I would say everything has become sci-fi, really. That's, that's one of the problems or one of the, um, the benefits, really. Sci-fi looked into the future and it saw uh, something, you know, flying cars, virtual reality, artificial intelligence. Um, and we've got a lot of it now. It's, it's around us, uh, you know, even the internet. When I, when I was a kid, um, I had my first computer uh, when I was about 12. And I don't think anybody then had had any real idea of what the internet was, even sci-fi authors. Like there was some sci-fi written about, um, you know, video phones and people talking over long distances, but the internet sort of took us a bit by surprise. Um, and, and, you know, then there was cyberpunk in the eighties and that's where we are today. So sci-fi, a lot of the predictions have come true, you know, Star Trek with the communicators uh, and a lot of it has proved harder than we expected, you know, teleportation and faster than light travel. But the world is so sci-fi that um, for traditional, you know, sci-fi authors or people that might have been writing sort of pre-2000, pre-1990, let's say, um, it doesn't really age that well anymore. It feels very old because uh, either the stuff has come true or it's, it, it's, they were crazy optimistic about how things were going to pan out. So it had to change, and I think it is changing, but a lot of it is still, you know, the Wild West but with laser guns and aliens instead of Indians. And uh, it hasn't aged very well. So um, I don't think it's dead. There's a lot of really great sci-fi, but um, I don't think, I think you're probably right. There's not quite as much in the book form. There's lots of series and films that are very good. Um, novels, it's been a while since I've read something that was as good as, uh, you, know, you know, some of the greats, but um Hopefully it's not dead. And in a way, I think that's what I'm, I'm trying to uh, write sci-fi that's forward-looking, um, but deals with a lot of the stuff that we've got around us today. So to make it relevant, um, but also hopefully uh, fun and optimistic. So long story short, it's not dead, but the world is a different place. And so sci-fi has to change. That's quite interesting, though. Um, I never actually thought about it, but actually, now that you say it, it's actually quite true, though. Um, so then that sort of leads me to the question, you know, how does then, how do you make your writing different? How do you make it, how do you make your books science fiction for today? Because science fiction in the 80s or in the 90s are no longer valid for today they're obsolete, they're dead, complete, right? So we're now, what people classed as science fiction in the 80s is our reality now, if I understand what you said. So yeah. how then do you now change our reality to make science fiction 
what will be looked at as science fiction in 20, 30 years' time? Well, I think a lot of the problems that we have today in the world, and, and science fiction, it, it's, it's a nice mix of things, right? So it's, it's action, it's adventure, it's exotic locations, it's advanced technologies, it's, it's a setting where all of the taboos of today or whenever it's written can be ignored because we're talking about the future so it doesn't matter what people are getting up to you know and it's so it's, it's a much more lenient place to set set scenarios so that still remains all um all true uh and and that's why i find sci-fi so great you know because you can talk about um you can talk about uh, philosophy and culture and, and and things like that and uh you know what is intrinsic to humanity and what is just a, a sort of a fashion of the time so i love that about sci-fi and i think that's still the case but the actual problems that we've got today are different than they were in the 80s and 90s like climate change for example nobody's really thinking about that i mean absolutely we were i, I remember watching films of the rainforest being cut down and, and it was all terrible and we were very sad about the destruction of the environment but i don't think it was ever really thought of that we were going to make mess it up so badly that we might break the world you know which is which is sort of where we are now and artificial intelligence people were thinking about robots you know rising up and overthrowing us and shooting us and launching missiles but nobody really thought that actually the problem was or the problem would be that they would just get smarter and understand us better and therefore be able to market to us more effectively so that we spend our whole lives buying and clicking what facebook's ais and google's ais and amazon's ais want us to click and buy so the problems that we have today are different than the problems people would have thought would be future problems in the 80s and 90s so my books i want to I want to look, I want to, you know, realistically look at the world as it is today. And I want to provide, I want my characters to live in that world. It, actually, the first book starts off, you know, about now, actually. Um, and then they, it goes forward about 30 years. So to look at really what, what's happening, what the problems are, um, and how we can actually genuinely how how we can solve it and i'm not saying i've got all the answers but um you know it's my book and they're my characters and my scenario so i can uh you know i can be god in in this little book um and so but i do try everything i write i try and make it um plausible and and my best guess at how we can tackle some of these problems um, and then adding to all that, all the the, the things that I love about sci-fi, the you know the exotic locations, the characters, the non-human characters, uh, and, and all those things. Um, so the whole package, hopefully, is fun and uh, exciting. But it it is um, it, it's set in a real world and um, tries to be forward-looking and and offer solutions. Okay, well, you've been very vague, though, so now I'm quite curious. So tell me specifically about your book now. Okay, so, well, there's three books now. It was going to be a trilogy, but um, I, I realized it was, you know, when I was writing book two, I realized there was no way I was going to be able to uh, close all the plot lines down 
in just three. So it's now four, and I'm writing that fourth one now. I'm about uh, 30% through it, but um, that's actually the first draft, and I'll have to go I'll have to go over it lots of times before it's ready. So it's four books, and it tells the life of um, a, a group of, of different characters, um, some children who start off at about six, but as I said, it sort of goes forward until 30 years into the future, and in some cases their parents, and uh, but mostly it's it's these kids, and so it's called Singularity's Children, and um, so the original idea really was it would be the the children born into the world today, and as technology gets increasingly crazy, as we go forward 30 years. Um, towards this concept called the singularity, which we can talk about if you're interested. But um, as technology gets increasingly crazy, how their lives change and how the world changes and how they deal with it. And and they're from very different backgrounds. One girl who grows up living on a, a floating tuna farm um, in the in the South China Sea or in the in the in the Pacific. And then there's two boys, um, brothers, um, born in uh, in Germany just before sort of a big economic downturn and their pe- parents lose their jobs and they have to emigrate to a, a to another country. And then um, I don't really want to give too much away. Uh, and then there's some, some people that work uh, the son of a, of a big oligarch who runs a very large corporation um, and it's their lives. They start off quite separate. And um, as the books go on, they sort of merge and the whole, you know, as the world all sort of, starts to affect other parts of it and the whole thing globalizes uh all of the plot lines get tangled up and there's i wouldn't say there's really goodies and baddies but there are because they're all quite likable characters even even the the ones that are a bit a bit um morally dubious but um i suppose the baddie if there is one is is just the sort of the relentless dehumanizing march of technology and it's how they how they deal with it there you go okay oh thank you That's, your, your book definitely sounds um, quite inter- interesting but what is singularity um so the singularity is a concept that I think Werner Vinge, who's one of my favorite authors, talked about in the early 90s. And it's basically that computers get more and more powerful. Uh, At some point, they get as powerful as our brains. And uh, the latest thinking is that in 2023, you'll be able to buy a desktop computer, which will be as powerful as uh, a human brain. It doesn't mean it will be conscious. It doesn't mean it will be a person, but it means it'll, it'll be able to, you know, do tasks at a sort of a human level of competence um <clears throat> but then by 2035 i think it is uh, or it might be 2050 um a thousand dollars will buy you a computer that's as powerful as all the human brains that are currently on the planet today so you know at that time 10 billion human brains and as that sort of intelligence explosion happens these computers start to be able to design themselves <clears throat> um, quicker and quicker until the, you know, the whole, each, each iteration of technology, each upgrade, each new technology, each new invention, they start to come faster and faster. So it's like, if you think about a hundred years ago or 200 years ago, you know, steam engine, then, then um, wireless 
um, sorry, what the you know undersea telegraph cable and then um, steam trains and aeroplanes. These things happened once every fifty years, and then once every twenty-five years. And then we got the telephone, and the radio, and then television, and they go faster and faster. And now, you know, like in the last week, SpaceX, Jeff Bezos. Um, and the Japanese space agency all announced that they were sort of sending missions to different planets and we've got quantum computers and we've got, you know, things are just coming now on a weekly basis. Massive destabilizing technologies are coming faster and faster. And if you just sort of look forward uh, and you assume that that's going to carry on faster and faster developments, more and more clever computers uh, at some point, it just gets crazy. You know, it, it just, it no longer becomes a planet that you can even imagine what it looks like, what technologies are possible. And, and that's called the singularity. It's the point where society, technology passes past the point where anybody can make any sense of it and everything just becomes a massive, crazy, runaway intelligence explosion. Sounds interesting. It sounds very broken. <laughs> and I'm hoping that by then, you know, interstellar travel, you know, would be, you know, quite, you know, a teen, you know, the thing of the day and I can leave planet Earth. Well, I mean, honestly, that is pretty much the best guess at the moment of how to deal with it. It's run away. And it's, it's not going to, it doesn't look like you're going to be able to stop it. Things are no. just, just relentless. So, so yeah, let's go to Mars and then let's, let's go, let's keep on going. No, seriously, I would like to just, you know, just shuttle off, you know, um, Richard Branson, you know, just get me on that shuttle flight and just sort of take me to, to Mars or Venus or whichever one, you know, whichever planet they're visiting. Yeah, first one, then the other. Um, <laughs> you know, it's just like, you know, a nice clean slate. Okay, so what did you learn, you know, going through the process of writing? Um, were you self-published or did you go with a publisher? I'm self-published. Okay, so um, how have you found self-publishing three books? It's it's interesting. It's it's um, before you publish, you're focused on writing and only really writing, and then after you're published, you just try and fit the writing in at the edge of everything else because it 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 sort of sort of takes over um just you know social media and and communicating with with readers and uh you know sorting out covers and type setting and layout and yeah you know websites it's just it's very difficult to continue the focus on the writing which is what I'm actually doing now, I'm trying to um, scale back on on anything that isn't writing. So uh, that's the biggest realization. The actual writing is, um, if you don't do it properly, it becomes only a small part of it, which it should be. It should be everything, really. So I think that's what I've learned um, to just try and put the writing in front and uh, let every everything else sort of fall around it. Uh, but yeah, I learned a lot, ever such a lot about publishing and, and time management and uh, technology, you know, the technology involved. And uh, yeah, it's quite an eye opener. You, you write, don't you? Have you published? I do. Um, and I think, you know, any of any of the listeners who actually listen to me consistently, they'll probably be tired of me saying this story all the time, whenever the opportunity comes, right? So 2015 okay. was the first time, you know, I published, right? And I was so delusional. So I'd gone to my, you know, Amazon, you know, KDP account and I clicked 
published and I was like, it's all about the Benjamins, baby. Okay, that, <laughs> I have a dance thing going on, right? Because I'm thinking, great, I published it. Amazon, they're so glad to have my book on their system. They're going to send a blast out to everyone, you know, and less than an hour, you know, people will start downloading it. So there I was looking at my dashboard, you know, just- You'd already booked your Caribbean cruise, right? I know, right? So I'm there just waiting. Okay, now let me see how many books, you know, what is it, five minutes before the first sale comes through? And then one hour, talk about deflation. I felt so deflated. I was like, what? After yeah. an hour, no one has done anything. So I go and say to my friend, girl, can you please go and buy my book? Don't let my book seem so miserable, right? That nobody wants it. So my friend goes and buys one copy. And then I go to my other friend, can you please go and buy my book? Yeah, I know. <laughs> so, you know, and then I started thinking, okay, so what is it about my book that no one wants to buy? I know that it's very... Afrocentric, you know, it's not everybody's cup of tea, but seriously, why would no one want to buy it? Um, and so that's how I got researched on how to promote a book. And, you know, everything, yep. like you say, is history. And so that's how the Shegilola Salami Show got, um, you know, came to life. Because as of December 2015, I didn't even know what a podcast was, right? That's how yeah. me and technology were not really good friends. I only use it when essential. Um, and then, so I was then reading, you know, so December, 2015, and I, I don't know why I remember I choose because I knew that at the time, I didn't even know what it was. Then January, 2016, I didn't hear, you know, a podcast is a good way. And I was like, okay, okay. I don't know what this podcast is, but I will give it a go. So literally when I started even sort of going, I went on Goodreads and I was saying, um, would you guys like to come on my podcast? I was like, yes, yes, we'll do. And I'm like, I still didn't even know what a podcast was, but I was like, okay, you know what? I will just blag it, right? I will just blag it. And Fake just- it till you make it, right? Exactly. And here we are, you know. Fantastic. And let me see. February. And you've made it. Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> made it is relative, you know. Of course, but it always is, isn't it? Isn't it really always is? Until, you know, the first book feels good, you know, and then uh, the first review feels good. And then every time, you know, the first time somebody writes to you, it feels good. The trouble is, it, it does, you know, you, you want the next thing. It's, it's like some sort of drug. So I would imagine that even the most, you know, famous um, authors, directors, uh, musicians, I think they always need that next thing, right? That, yeah. you know, that, that rock and roll star, 55 year old rock and roll star that hasn't had a hit for 15 years is probably sitting at home amongst his piles of, of money feeling pretty miserable. And then just, just that, just that feeling. So, um, yeah, I think that's a really important thing though, that success is relative and, um, and it's not, you know, if you want to make, if you want it to be just about the money, there are ways to do it. It's still a very, very hard job, but I think, um, I think you've got to define or you've got to, yeah, you've got to feel good about what it is you're trying to do and, um, yeah, not expect necessarily to be JK Rowling on the first afternoon. Yeah. But then actually saying that though, you know, I've had a few guests, you know, come in the cafe and, a general sort of consensus is that for you to be a, a quote-unquote overnight success it takes 10 years well okay yeah i can believe that and how many books is that so irrespective of whatever it is that you're doing it's the 
putting uh -huh. himself out there. It's the marketing, it's the networking. Because something that I've come to realize is that when you're quote unquote a nobody, right? People yeah. take a chance on you and they have to know you to take a chance on you. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think that's, I think that's probably totally, totally right. Just, um, it takes that long. I think there's something in marketing that somebody has to see something seven times before they're going to um, even think about buying it, you know, that, so yeah. you've just got to keep, so, and from different channels, you know, hear about you somewhere and word of mouth. And, and of course that's the best uh, word of mouth is the best, um, you know, sort of gift. But if that means that seven of your friends have to have recommended a book before you read it, then obviously uh, you know it takes a long time before you get any sort of penetration um like that so yeah I, I fully agree and so i think that's why it's important that you you enjoy it right so you you can do that 10 years um have fun doing it and then hopefully at the end they make a film out of your books and it's great yes i know <laughs> I, I know. But I think, though, that is actually possible, um, you know, depending on what your strategy is, because one of my favorite subjects um, when I was in secondary school was mathematics. Right. And mm. I find that the most useful thing, well, apart from Pythagoras theorem, because I keep asking my friend, you know, in real life, since you all graduated from university, have you used Pythagoras theorem to do anything? Um, and I'm sure some people do, but most people I know, and I've not used it since I left secondary school. Uh, but, you know, I find mathematics quite, a, it's, a, it's a language of its own in the sense that everything in life you do has to have strategy. You know, you always, in my head, I always look at everything as a mathematical equation. Like if I want to get from point A to B, what do I need to do to do that, right? You know, yeah. or if I want to get to this destination, what is the in-between point? You know, do I need to go point A, C, D, B? You know, I always think of it as a mathematical e equation. So if you want to then be able to create virality, quote unquote, then what do you need to do? So I think if someone then applied a mathematical approach to it, then it's possible that they can do it in less time. And I think that's where some people always say that if you start building your email list and it actually does work um you know to some extent because the last time i did you know i had um i wanted to do something and i sent an email blast out to several people right it was just sort of say oh do you want to check out something and you know i actually did get you know um people come back to me and you know say yes and whatnot but then the problem though is that you know one even making for people to make that commitment in the first place doesn't always mean that they're going to follow through yeah, so that's why, you know, that's why I always love mathematical equations. Like, and that one of my favorite ones, I always have these 2.5%. Um, I don't know where the 2.5% came in. I think I read that if you take out a paper click at, a, you know, they say that the click through ratio is 2.5%. So it means that for every 100 people who look at your ad, only 2.5 of them would click through to your website. So then in my head, if then from only 2.5% come and then only 2.5% of that 2.5% actually do anything, you see how small the percentage is. Yes, I'm, I'm very familiar with these types of very small numbers. But yes, exactly. That's what it's all about, isn't it? And it's so difficult. And um, the marketing is so saturated as well. If you, look, if you try and look at some keywords, they're just... Um, 
yeah. how can anybody pay eight pounds you know for one click on some weird obscure keyword i i don't really understand how how google works but obviously they're making hell of a lot of money off somebody yeah and that's why i'm totally against it because for me right that's google taking their money guaranteed it is guaranteed income for them with a probability for you those are not good odds to me yep. why should i give you guaranteed income but all you can assure me is a probability totally agree no i think what you're doing is, is fantastic i think um building yeah sort of a group of people interested in a particular topic and then releasing sort of um content to those people and tips and keeping you know interesting uh, discussions and interesting um products um in, in front of sort of a, a of a group that all wants the same thing that's that's perfect and everybody wins that's if, if i had enough time if i had more time i would try and do the same type of thing in in sci-fi um there aren't any great um, sci-fi podcasts actually so maybe you saying sci-fi is dead is is um is the case like wired has one but i i would love to start uh one just getting sci-fi authors on and, and talking about things but um as you know better than me it's a lot of work isn't it and trying to fit it in with everything else is, is just so tricky yeah and the thing though i find that you know for me one of the things that makes it easy for me right is i like i love talking i can talk for england <laughs> You know, so, you know, it sort of just makes it easy. Now, when I have interesting people coming, even if I'm feeling sleepy, even if I'm thinking I've got other stuff, once I get talking, it's like, yes, you know, right, great. Now I've got a chance, you know, to talk. And, you know, when you've got a little child, majority of the time, when I'm talking to friends, it's all child-related talks. And so this time around, I feel like an adult because I can have proper adult conversation, right? And it's like, yes, thank you. I still, I'm, I still exist in the real world. I can actually have a conversation with a person you know that's great older than two years old or four years old so yes you guys are actually doing me a favor definitely definitely and it's the same with you know it's, it's the same with a day job isn't it so if you're doing something that doesn't doesn't really tickle all of your intellectual curiosity at work it's nice to have something else so that you can interact with people that are yeah that are sort of share the same interests so i think it's going to be more and more i think people are going to be um People are going to be doing this this type of thing more and more. Sorry, is that my computer making those noises? Um, I, I think, um, yeah. Next to next to whatever other obligations you've got in life, I think it's really important to to um, just develop all of those other passions that you've got, and not maybe like at the previous generations wait until you retire to take up yeah. uh, painting or the clarinet. You know, just you've got to fit it fit alongside everything. It's a bit stressful. But I think the alternative is is uh, not so much fun, right? Not so fulfilling. No. But then I guess for me also, you know, the good side of it is that, you know, my little human, you know, she, the other day, you know, when it was my birthday in summer, you know, said she takes my old, you know, my old headphones and she goes there and she was acting like she was a DJ and she was thinking, it's your birthday, happy birthday. And she was just doing that constantly, right? And it was just so cool to see her, you know, being really confident with the mic and, you know, just, just going out and just being really, I don't know how to explain it. And, you know, like you said earlier on, you know, the fact that she gets used to seeing, you know, seeing me do this, then she knows, she knows, she has an idea of some of the things that I do do, um, you know, it then sort of gets her to be a bit more confident. 
even though we're still trying to get her to understand the concept of quiet means <laughs> quiet, quiet. Yes, it's very important to be quiet, right? That's the most important thing for a sound engineer. Exactly, right? So someone's sticking their tongue out at me, but you know, so that it, it definitely does have, you know, its advantages. Uh, and I do say to my guests, if you've got any children, you're welcome to bring them onto the show. Because <laughs> I just think it gives them life skills that they're never going to get in a formal um, education setting. Definitely. Yeah, no, no, it's good. My kids wouldn't want to come on unless you want to talk about Fortnite. What's that? Oh, well, it's, a, it's a computer game. So I, I've been introduced to it recently, but that's all they talk about. First person shooter, computer game. I think you will hear about it. Everybody's talking about it. You know what? I'm so bad, right? That the only ever, the only thing, see, I go on Facebook for one thing and one thing only to get news, right? Because then it comes up on your timeline, what's going on in the world. I literally don't have time to sit in front of a TV and listen or watch anything. So because my days are so busy, right? So I literally go on Facebook and in my timeline, I get the latest news, I get the latest gossip, and I know what's going on in the real world. Because like I said, I've not had time to do anything else because... I am doing the podcast and I'm doing my blogging and then I'm trying to build a portfolio of clients um, to do freelance writing um, because my daughter, she was having um, tonsillitis from May. Um, and that's why if anyone noticed that from me, the podcast was, you know, really quiet. Um, you know, it was sort of constantly, it was like, you know, we have two weeks off, two weeks on, two weeks off, two weeks on, and she was having antibiotics. And it was the really most stressful time of my life. And I decided that I needed to do something that I could actually do from home. So I've been trying to build up a clientele base where I do freelance writing because then I didn't have to go out, you know, to a perfect, you know, to a proper job. I can just do stuff from home and then mix it all up, you know, with being a parent, looking after her. Um, you know, tomorrow we've got to go and see a pediatrician because even me, I've gotten to that stage where I'm like, you know what, just take the damn tonsils out, seriously. <laughs> <laughs> I've just gotten to that point, right? Can you imagine since May, right? And this is October. It's like, please just take the things out. I, I've had enough now. I've still got mine, but my brother had his out. Okay, well, I think I've got mine, but it's just, you know, um, we haven't the, um, so apart from the last one uh, bout that she had, we actually had to go by um, ambulance because we woke wow. up in the morning, she came to my bedroom and she was sleeping next to me, but she was <sighs> that kind of breathing, right? And obviously oh. my heart was breaking, right? You know, and then so I called the doctor over the phone and I just go, you know what, just get an ambulance literally right but then she's the most embarrassing child ever because when the um paramedics came she had a fever when we went into the um into the ambulance her fever was gone of course i mean but that is always the way it, they suddenly get so much better when you know somebody in a position of authority is looking and then you just think that you're wasting everybody's time Seriously, honestly right. it just happens it's just like if you're demoing a new piece of technology it will break it will work perfectly until you have to show it to somebody, then it breaks. And kids seem to follow the same principle. They'll yeah, be ill until the doctor looks at them and then they'll be miraculously better. Yeah. And then when we went to the hospital, she was running around, playing around, and you wouldn't know that this was the child that was gasping for air only a few minutes earlier <laughs> on that the GP was freaking out, right? And then immediately we got home. We literally stepped into the house. I put my hand back down. Guess what? Her fever came back again. 
I was like, why didn't you have this fever when the doctors were there so they can see your fever? Why did you Where's... wait till we had to come back into the house before the fever came back? Where's the fun in that? <laughs> because seriously, right? You don't, right, you don't get to ride in an ambulance. She was terrorizing the doctors. You know, she was literally, right? And then they were going, she looks well. She doesn't look like she's unwell. You know, we don't need to keep her in. You know, we don't need to do anything. Just go and see your GP and, you know, let your GP make a referral. And I'm like, we're here. They're like, but look at her. She's playing. She's eating. She's, and then immediately we stepped into the house, right? The fever just started again. Yeah. It's and I'm bad like, incentives. Hmm. Because she just, she wants to ride in the ambulance with all the interesting stuff, <laughs> nice, nice people. And then maybe somebody gives her a sweet and she runs around in a nice place and it's at night and she should be in bed, but she's not. So it must be a party. And then, <laughs> then she's back at home again. It's, oh, this old place. I know, seriously, right? I'm like, so do you just like keeping me awake? So when she's like that, I have to stay up all night. You know, I have to go and check her. Just make sure that, you know, um, you know, because her tonsils then got really swollen. So I have to just make sure. And then if she's breathing really funny, I have to then adjust her. So I'm like, oh, great, right. So you want the nurses and doctors to have a good night's sleep. Just mommy shouldn't have a good night's sleep. And, you know, anyways, we're talking about sci-fi. And like I said, I can talk too much. I can talk for England. So... Yeah. <laughs> no, well, my, my uh, I don't know. My, my books, my books have uh, have got kids in them because I have the same. I had the same experiences when I started writing. My kids were small. My kids were the same age as the as the kids uh, in the book, and so a lot of that stuff goes in there, you know. And uh, so it's great experience. But yeah, when you've got young kids, they do tend to take over your entire life. I think I said to my wife when we had our first kid, um, like takes up 80% of your free time. And then when you have your second child, it takes 80% of what was left, you know? And that's just it. And you've just got no time at all. And we had two under the age of two, you know? And so it was just, it was such a handful. And it does tend to dominate. But as my kids, because I write so slowly, as my kids grew up, um, they were growing up and I could use, you know, those things in the book to make it all quite quite real. So yeah, it's it's, it's all experience and it, it's it's, it's nice to be able to talk about it and it's funny and everybody has that in common. You know, everybody who's got kids has that in common. I mean, you saying that about miraculous recovery as soon as you're in the hospital. I mean, I've totally been there, you know, and, um, and I think that's awesome. That's what, that's what's, um, what's nice about a good books, you know, literature is that people have got something in common, right? Everybody, every, you talk about things that either everybody has experienced or you can imagine people experiencing and and sci-fi is is nice because it means that you can you can see how people might react in situations which um well either are not you know either are totally far out and futuristic and wacky or they're just around the corner so it's nice to get a look at it beforehand so that human empathy definitely has got to be there it can't just be spaceships and and uh, explosions it's got to have humanity in it certainly very important to me okay so just remind everyone again what's your um what's the word now what's the title of your book again singularity what 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 <laughs> so the series is called singularities children but the first book is called denial the second book is called disruption the third Third book is called Conflict, and the fourth book is going to be called Reimagination. And so these are the four stages of, of disruption and transformation. And so um, I'm, I'm basically saying that the world is going through this big change now, 
and these are the four stages and each of the books deals with sort of one of those changes one of those periods um so yeah singularities children four books uh next one the final one is coming out next year and um yeah it'd be great if people um would, would check it out let me know how they find them fabulous fabulous well it's been a pleasure having you um someone has been trying really really hard to keep quiet um so i'm gonna just let her have her moment um you know to not be quiet too much so you're gonna say bye to everyone hello <laughs> when you say bye she says hello and when you say say hello she says bye you're gonna say hello Hello. Are you going to say bye now? Bye. No, bye hello, bye. Hello. hello. Wait, 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 wait. I have to come to my party because I want someone to come to my party for my party. Did you hear that? See, so she's going to be a social media star because every opportunity she's plugging her party, right? Can she publicize my books? Aisha, Aisha, can you be my publicist? fantastic right well ladies and gentlemen you see what goes on in our household um thank you for sharing this moment with us um it's been a pleasure having you on the Shagilala salami show and my daughter has invited you all to our birthday maybe we'll have a virtual birthday party uh, or you can bring your virtual uh, birthday presents my daughter has a, <laughs> a preference for pink. And I'm wishing we're, we're doing a left and right for the microphone. So I don't know if the volume keeps going in and out because someone is trying to get hold of the microphone again. Um, Toby, um, any final words of wisdom? Because someone wants to have a moment. <laughs> no, thank you very much. I'll, I'll, leave you to, I'll leave you to your birthday planning. Thanks for inviting me to your virtual cafe. Uh, have, have a lovely birthday, Aisha. Say, say thank you. Thank you.